Hi everyone, this is Working Title, the podcast where we, four intrepid, handsome, intelligent, and entirely fraudulent reviewers, watch and review IMDb's top 250 English language movies as of November 2019, going from bottom to top. So watch along with us, and... Don't need to concentrate. We don't need another salt shaker situation. We can move past this. Alrighty, so welcome back to Working Title, everyone. As you know, because you're listening, um, and no one who's listening at this point hasn't heard us already, uh, we are Working Title, the podcast where we listen to the top 250 English language movies as of uh, on IMDb as of November 2019, which is now over two years ago. Um, yeah, and so this week we are on to uh, pretty far, actually, movie number 38, Zootopia. Now, what is Zootopia? So it is a Disney movie, not Pixar. Um it does have strong Pixar um, <clears throat> themes or styles, I'd say, but it's essentially a movie about a, a world occupied by anthropomorphic animals and the the journey of one rabbit or bunny who becomes a cop in this world. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, surprisingly uh, deep content, surprisingly heavy themes about, I mean, there's some, some pretty transparent uh, allegories or metaphors about racism in here or discrimination. Uh, we'll get into it in a minute. But before we do, we'd like to introduce the reviewers here in the studio with us. And to do that, uh, we'll introduce ourselves and, you know, we'll all share what what movie that we've already seen we would recast with, you know, uh, CGI animals in the Zootopia style. So if I were to remake one of the movies we would, uh, we've already seen uh, in the style, you know, cast entirely with animals i would pick anatomy of a murder and it would all be crows <laughs> <laughs> nice well played well Mike? played so i'd go with uh, the movie jaws and it would have the the shark from finding nemo as jaws oh, that'd be adorable <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah hi my name is shane and i would have uh magnolia redone in the style of Zootopia. That, that would be good. <laughs> that I would legitimately watch that. And I'm, I'm going to impose and say that uh, it has to be all of the same actors as the voices. Yeah, but I also want, like, remember when Tom Cruise comes in and goes, I'll fucking kick that dog, but it's just a person, and it's an animal threatening <laughs> to kick that person. <laughs> uh, what, what animal is Tom Cruise? Ooh, um, a fox. I was thinking okay, that what too. animal is John C. Riley? He's a panda. <laughs> I could see that as well. <laughs> yeah, this this works. I like um, it. All right, June. Uh, so I will do dances with wolves. Oh, that's with yeah. obviously wolves, <laughs> but I'm gonna mix it up a little bit. It's definitely gonna star Shakira, and there will be dancing. <laughs> I can That'll respect be that. Plot of Saturday Night Fever. But with wolves, <laughs> would, the, would the single wolf in Dances with Wolves also be a human in like chains? A hundred percent. Is the plot of this actually Footloose? <laughs> with with wolves, and it's still six hours, and it still has Kevin Costner. <laughs> uh, righty. <clears throat> well, that's us. And uh, so, okay, what's what's Utopia? Um, before we get into the plot. So the the general theme of this right is a a rabbit who wants to go become a cop, and you know there's there's this whole thing about oh there's never been a a bunny cop before in Zootopia, and Zootopia is like this huge metropolis where all the animals live, 
And it's about her kind of quest to uh, gain acceptance. You know, she's rejected based on who she is for being a cop. She encounters other animals who are judged for their species rather than the things they are or do. Um, the movie's pretty much all about that. It's surprisingly, surprisingly adult at times. Um, but it's, it's very fun. It's a kid's movie, but it, it kind of falls into that bucket of kids movies. I think that like it is, you don't have to be a kid to enjoy. Right. Um, but yeah. And you know, it, it stars, uh, a lot of really, really notable actors, you know, uh, as voice actors, you know, uh, Jason Bateman, Idris Elba, uh, JK Simmons, Shakira. So, you know, it, it's, it's a big thing. Um, successful movie disney yeah and like we mentioned not pixar even though it really does kind of have a pixar feel to it and i'm not sure what pixar released in 2016 but i can almost guarantee it was worse than this but before we get too far into it uh mike why don't you tell us what happens in this movie sure we start with judy hops who is the uh the main character of the film the bunny and uh we see her as a child and she already has dreams of becoming a uh, police officer um in her little small town of Burrow, Burrow, or Buddy Burrow, uh, she, you know, has a, the movie starts with a play that kind of shows the kids putting on a play for their parents, kind of going into the background of how uh, hundreds of millions of years ago, animals were savage and um, what we, you know, see them as today. And over evolution and time, they have now turned into uh, law-abiding citizens and are working with each other in harmony. Um, Judy wants to be a police officer, as we already talked about. And she's kind of uh, made fun of by the other kids in her in her town for wanting to be a cop because no bunny has ever been a cop before. Um, however, she does show that she, even though she is small, she definitely has some wit about her. and She kind of uses her intelligence to her advantage rather than her size. Uh, this is shown by one of the other kids kind of picks on her, who's a fox, and um, he bullies her and, you know, pushes her down. But she's able to kind of come back and and get some tickets back that this this bully fox had stolen from these kids. Um, I think it's like 15 years later, we fast forward, and she is now at the police academy and is struggling pretty hard, but ends up coming through through a montage and is able to uh, actually graduate as valid, 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 valedictorian of her class. Valedictorian. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> is actually... Uh, sent to uh, the the center of the city as her first district, District 1 in uh, Zootopia. Uh, so she packs up her bags, says goodbye to her family, and uh, gets on a train and heads into Zootopia, which is made of um, different districts that have different types of uh, environment. So there's like a snow area, there's a, a forest area, like a, like a jungle, um, a desert, and like some like polar area. Um, and then in the middle of the city is... That just kind of like a generic kind of big city with a uh, bunch of different kinds of animals and stuff living in there. Um, so when she gets to her first assignment, um, she is put on uh, parking duty uh, as her kind of her first gig there. And, and she tries to, you know, when she meets like the, the rest of the, the precinct, they're all like huge animals like rhinoceroses and elephants and such. But she's just, you know, just a tiny bunny. So. Really, it's kind of that stereotypical, like, nobody believes in her, and she starts from the bottom kind of thing, but, you know, she's got charisma, so she's she's decides she's going to make the best of it, and she's told that she needs to get 100 tickets done by the end of the day, and she decides she's going to get 200 tickets before noon. Uh, so she goes out with her parking meter car and her and starts writing tickets, and, you know, shows that she is, she's going to, you know, be this kind of 
self-starter driving kind of a person and, and puts out all these tickets. While she's putting out tickets, though, she sees a, uh, a fox acting uh, kind of suspicious next to this, this ice cream parlor. So she uh, she decides to kind of follow him, um, you know, a little bit of the bias of her not liking foxes and her family before she left kind of told him, you know, watch out for foxes. They're like the worst, the worst animals that are out there. Uh, so, anyway, so Judy follows this fox into this this ice cream um place being run by these big elephants and while the the fox is ahead of her she kind of peeks in and this guy nick this fox he um he's actually there like kind of with his son uh claiming that it's his son and he's asking for a, a popsicle and these big elephants are refusing to give it to him anyways judy kind of feels like oh she maybe she judged him inappropriately and she kind of steps in and helps out and they get this big popsicle for this little kid she then finds out, she goes back to her job, she starts putting on tickets on other cars again, and a little bit later on, she actually sees uh, Nick uh, melting the popsicle on top of her roof, and turns out that Nick was just pulling a hustle, and this little little kid that was supposedly his son is actually um, one of his, like, you know, uh, friends that's also doing this hustle with this, with this uh, giant popsicle, and they melt it down, and they sell it for, you know, more money to a bunch of little uh, business, um, what do you call those things? Business squirrels? Lemmings, the, the Lemming Brothers. Business yeah, that, <laughs> that was a funny investment banking joke. <laughs> so she kind of confronts him, and he kind of like you know makes it apparent that you know this is a big city, and it's a lot more difficult to get ahead in this big city, and that her being naive and thinking that everybody's kind of kumbaya and holding hands is is false, and. So she, her, her first day on the job, essentially, she kind of got put in her place and she's feeling a little bit uh, distraught from all of that. So I think that's a kind oh, of the good. intro with Judy and we kind of get her into Zootopia. Um, as you're saying, there's a lot of there's a lot of pun puns in this show, a lot of funny names and kind of comparisons throughout it. So just to get us started, one thing I will say is I, I felt like the pacing was good. There was just the right amount of prologue to kind of set the themes and give us a character backstory without getting lost in it. So I, I enjoyed that. I I thought the pacing was great. I think, um, I think the Mulan sequence was a little rushed. I I didn't really get the sense that like it was difficult for her. It was just like, Oh, she just had a bad day and then she got a rally tomorrow and then she's fucking top of her class. Yeah. She didn't have to like make friends or anything. I don't, yeah, but I don't think that was a big, like, you know, yeah, but if, if no thing, one, you know, if no one she meets in the police academy matters to the story later, then why why spend time building that relationship, right? Like Mulan, it matters because those are her her homies for the rest of the movie. In this, it's like, yeah, this is just a step we have to cover. I would have yeah, rather true. the fox been a friend from the academy than the weird side hustler. I don't know. I think that yeah. kind of destroys the entire dynamic, but. Well, yeah, I think I'd... he could still be a side hustler, like a dirty cop kind of thing. But <laughs> what, what movie do you want this to be, Shane? Serpico. <laughs> <laughs> I think from the beginning, it's um, very on the nose with the the agenda, and it's not like I, I'll use the parents as an example. It's not like. You know, maybe you should uh, try to do something else and not be a cop. It's straight up like, you shouldn't try anything. I think the exact quote is, don't try anything. <laughs> that's right. It's like, don't <laughs> yeah. have dreams. They're dumb. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, that's that's a little much. I mean, I, <laughs> I get the that's point why, you're trying to make, but. 
when you told me that this wasn't Pixar, it all started to make sense. Because it's like, man, normally Pixar is a little more like tight in the story, a little more clever with their delivery. This, so... this felt like a bat with some of its messaging. Not to say that it still wasn't clever. Like the puns are my favorite part of this film. Just the animal puns alone were amazing. And we'll get to the vole later. But yeah, like I just, it didn't seem very uh, tight. It seemed, I don't know, lacking in that department. I'll say also that every movie is objectively better with Shakira. <laughs> um, yeah, um, <laughs> I'll come back to that in a second. But uh, one thing that I did kind of appreciate about this movie is like the message and theme of it is obvious out the gate, right? It's like, oh, you're a rabbit and we don't trust foxes. Those foxes can't be trusted. And oh, no rabbit has ever become a cop. And But I, I enjoyed how even though the message was obvious and sometimes kind of on the nose, it still didn't like <clears throat> it played out interestingly, right? Like all of the characters had to overcome like their their own prejudices at some point right like even though like obviously uh judy hops is the hero of the story she still kind of essentially profiles nick wilde at the start and she's like still susceptible to it um so i i like that it it didn't just make oh yep here's the good guy and they go around changing everybody's mind with the power of friendship and yeah definitely set the groundwork for the character development on uh, for every character mm-hmm. yeah and so even though the message was pretty obvious from the start it, it still t- took a while for you know and, and there was still growth in the characters to actually get there so i enjoyed that even though <clears throat> there was not really any subtlety about it no it wasn't like because kids shows usually have like some sort of it like you know shrek's got like oh don't judge a book by its cover because you know everyone's got layers type thing like mm-hmm. this this just came out of the gate like stamping right on you like here's here's what this is about and maybe that's as an adult as a kid i'm not gonna pick that up yeah i don't don't mind a kid seeing that like that's a good message to learn as a child but like as an adult who sees like nuance and things like that it can kind of be problematic as an adult but it's still a good film like it's not well even the uh the five minute introduction where they're doing little kids plays essentially telling the audience you're about to watch an hour and a half about the uh stages of racism and bigotry and how to overcome them yeah all, all i'm saying is that even though the message was obvious right and there's a clear moral from the get-go it still takes an interesting journey through it right it's just interesting to come from blade runner and go straight into zootopia <laughs> yeah no this movie was definitely i mean i i i I didn't expect to watch this movie and like listen to like or like look into some deeper meaning behind any of this. This is purely a uh, very entertaining, uh, you know, animated hour and a short film. Really, it's just it's made to be fun. I think. Yeah, I mean, this is like, the... if we try to if we try to deep dive into this topic. I mean, we're not we're going to hit bottom real quick. This is the cinematography equivalent of like those five paragraph essays you wrote in high right. school, right? Where it's like in the first paragraph you say. In this movie, I will demonstrate to you why racism is bad. My first point is X. My second point is Y. And in your first paragraph, you talk about X. And yeah. It's like, yep, it's what it says on the tin. It's a fun ride, but it it's what it says on the box. I'll, I'll probably say this multiple times, but like, I 
normally like i i think about ratatouille because that's like the kind of best comparison i can make to it because that's really the only other animated one we've dealt with right i feel like there's more cleverness now this film has like some clever puns and stuff but with message delivery and and style and stuff i feel like ratatouille has more of that clever approach to adult themes I don't know, but that's just the feeling I get. Maybe I'll kind of flesh that out as we talk about it, but that's kind of where I'm starting. My, my feeling with Ratatouille is I feel Ratatouille's story was was more in-depth and a little bit more about, uh, I would say, more important to the film compared to the story of um, Zootopia. I think the animation, the art style, I think that was a really big point when Zootopia came out. My uh, Actually, I saw this in theaters with my sister, who was um, she was studying graphic design at the time. Um, and animation and she took me to see this movie because uh it, it was you know one of those it, it pushed the boundaries of uh that type of animation at the time and i remember it hmm. being really good in theaters up on the big screen better than the animation in ratatouille granted they're years apart and more technology better technology but the the real the real hitting thing for me on this film was just how pretty it was the designs, the set, like I loved how they had the different sections throughout the city. Uh, that was really cool to kind of see that. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, very, very detailed animation. So I'll get into the, uh, the more technical side of this later, but from a, just a pure art style uh, perspective, it was great because they did add that cleverness that you're talking about, Shane. Like there's little nuances like uh, the crosswalks or zebra stripes um yeah there's all these little things that are in in place directly into the animation um Mm -hmm. itself and i think like it it wasn't over there was a lot of examples of it but i don't think they went um over the top i think it was borderline i think it was a snowball of puns and but that's fine like that's kind of the charm of this film but everything had to be you know even they would take like the you know names of famous people in real life and they would make like you know like it's the uh gazelle or whatever is like their singer yeah and it's a, it's a gazelle so it, the whole thing was just puns you know i mean her name was what was her last name um judy hops uh nick wild you know i mean like go down the list they all have okay i mean like some of the puns are obvious but like what six-year-old is gonna pop in and get like oh the lemming brothers is a play on the lemming yeah. brothers yeah right? yeah <laughs> no there's adult things but I, I would i would say that there, there's clever spots and then there's really not clever spots it's funny you picked like the main characters names that i at least missed the i missed the puns on that um you if missed there the were pun any. on the rabbit named hops no i mean it's not a clever <laughs> pun right That's but a, if you look yeah, at her right. If you look at her uh, like iPod thing in the beginning, there's like the Beagles and Katy Perry, like oh, Fleetwood yeah. Yak, you know. I was looking for um, Tame Impala, but maybe that was too on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> I like Guns and Rodents, Mister and Mrs. Otter Otterton. Like that's bad. Yeah. I mean, that's not good. I like the ones you're saying though, June. Like that, those are funny. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I'm saying. Is like you know there was like the actual like fake character names but the references i guess is what i'm trying to say is what made it okay i'm kind of going to talk about one one thing that bothered me here is so i hear okay the artist is named gazelle obviously this is a stand-in for adele nope Mm -hmm. shakira shakira (laughs) Uh, we can discuss later because she plays a bigger part later i hated the character of giselle and i hated the fucking song i 
could have done without that whole thing. I get it's a kids movie and it probably gets like little kids dancing, but I was like, why is why is Shakira in this? She did nothing. Okay, no, 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 Uh-oh. no, no. Oh, so <laughs> Shakira fight. How Watch many your times? Goddamn mouth chain. First of all, I love Shakira, but as- I do aside love from Shakira, that, but- how many times do we see celebrities who have no qualifications come and talk about big button issues like this? And they played that because they interview Sh- Shakira or Gazelle or whatever the fuck as like, and she <laughs> goes on a diatribe about shit. It's like, shut up. Like you are a- an artist. Like you're a singer, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like when DiCaprio yeah, won like, the Oscars. Oh. So, you, and so then, you're you're saying that she's kind of put in there as like a tongue in cheek kind of thing too. So it's like that movie DiCaprio made about the it was like diamond a Matt, trade in Africa, like a Matt Damon kind of thing. Or yeah, it's just I think it was a good reference. I don't think they were trying to be like straight up like this is you know what celebrities do, but I think it was a good play on the fact that celebrities will jump onto big topics like this, and I think that was why that was necessary. Yeah, I'll allow your point. I I think I don't know if they were intentionally trying to make that like a subject, like trying to highlight the fact that why the hell is she talking about this stuff, or more of the fact they're just trying to make it feel like what reality is. Where, right, exactly, name people will actually you know yeah do the little press conferences and who the hell cares what they think. So Uh, I'm gonna oh sorry, I was just gonna say like I'm gonna separate this into two things. Like I wish I could view this from the lens of like nine year old me where I'm not picking apart, like, the messaging from the film. Because, like, I think I would love this film thoroughly from a nine-year-old perspective. Cause I, Just purely I, I as think an entertainment factor. Yeah, factor's I think true. it's yeah. a really fun little movie, like, everything. But viewing it from as an adult, I still think it's a good movie. I just, I don't know, I'm kind of taking issue with some of the simplicity of things. And just, like, kind of nitpicky. I laughed really hard at it. I'm kind of torn on this film, but I wish I could like turn off my adult brain and watch it as a child. Did you, you know, feel? I'm... Did you feel that it was kind of boring? Because I I kind of felt like it was kind of boring. The second half, yes. Um, yeah. Like Act Three, definitely checked out. If I can circle back around to uh, this is kind of touching on what you're saying too. Is I feel like uh, like since mid two thousands, late two thousands, Disney does a really good job of making a film for kids that has the ability to keep adults also entertained, just not to the extent that a kid would be. It's mostly focused on the kids, but they have those those adult puns in there that only the adults get, and they do that because they know their audience is gonna the kids have to go with their parents to go see the film, so they want the parents to at least. But enjoy so, it as well. This is hard to dis- yeah. this is hard to um to it's kind of an outlier because what you're saying applies 100% to Pixar. Yeah. Pixar's the masters of doing that. I was gonna compare Ma- maybe, this. Yeah, I'm sorry. Maybe I was. I agree. Like Pixar probably is is the better of the two. I would say Disney's okay at it though. Yeah. So Disney Animation Studios isn't necessarily known for that. Like we get shit like fucking Frozen, right? Like not so much, for, mm-hmm. not a lot for adults there. So that's why I'm saying this is kind of an outlier in that it was very over the top almost on those adult themes. Like I think at one point she says like I'm not a token bunny. I'm like yes. Can you say that? Like I, that's what I was saying. I was like Jesus. Can we use more <laughs> like buzzwords? Like she's um, like. Uh, Maybe you didn't know, but we can call other bunnies cute, but yeah. you can't call yes. bunnies like, cute. Jesus. Yeah. That's that was a little on the nose. I was like, good um, lord. Can I uh, just just real quick. So 
in the hustle that uh, Nick Wilde is doing on the with the popsicles, right? They go in, and he brings in you know his quote unquote kid who uh, <laughs> wants to be an elephant when he grows up and puts on an elephant suit. Now, in a world where elephants are a race. That kind of feels like (laughs) elephant face. Deeply problematic. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. It's so dirty now. Oh, Oh, yeah. I I guess we should get into this port. Like, what's the breeding situation in Zootopia? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to Mike's point, there is some DNA like issues here, (laughs) like Liger's situation, because Ligers can't breed, right? They're only born. Like mules. <laughs> Some genetic experimentation. I think they left that out of the writing room. <laughs> um, okay. I do want to highlight another portion of that, though. The the drug dealing popsicle mm-hmm. operation he's got going on. He's just straight up, like, cutting it. Like, yeah. And, like, they're in some, you know, beat up old, like, van too like all the all the stereotypes um, <laughs> the wizard on the from van a, yeah from a drug dealing operation are there it's just really funny and also again kind of out of place for a disney movie i wish there was i wish there was more of that that was my favorite parts of it was watching like i wish nick was doing more wheeling and dealing kind of thing because i i really enjoyed some of that and i think that's where it breaks from pixar because i think about inside out and like big hero and other pixars where like you watch it and they they never really break i don't want to say they don't break character but like you're watching and the way it's written you're you're never breaking in zootopia you break all the time from Mm -hmm. things and i wish they would have stuck more in like nick's doing his thing and he's being a sly fox but they don't go oh you're such a sly fox you just watch him be sly you know, yeah, a little just better delivery, I think. The feeling I got from this was that a writer wanted to make a mobster movie, a cop movie, a zombie <laughs> movie, all in one, and then somebody called them was like, "Hey, like a studio picked you up." I'm like, "Oh, awesome! Who is it? Oh, it's Disney." Fuck. <laughs> and so he had to rewrite everything with fucking animals. <laughs> you nailed it, dude. This is so all of the, the that was actually really gritty and they actually had racial slurs, but he just like subbed in <laughs> <Yeah>. animal names. <laughs> yeah, this was originally a Tarantino project and he got cut. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as Disney the adult bought up the script. <laughs> Uh-huh. The adult brain uh, watching this for me, like, was the I think the most confusing part was going back to kind of the dynamic. Um, and I don't want to get like, I don't want to make it sound dirty, but like, it like there wasn't like they kind of started having a relationship, the uh, Judy and Nick, the bunny and the fox, to the point where it started to get like, what? How is this going to work? Um, the kid version, like, there never was any explicit, any kind of like romantic thing between them. There was just pure friendship, but my adult brain felt like it was leading toward a relationship. Kind like, of. Did you guys I, get any of that kind of sense that it might be a little strange? Just... Like, can the animals have relationships with each other? Did any? It was never implied. Everybody kind of was looked like they were segregated to their race or their species. The otter I say. was the only one in a relationship, I think. Yeah, the parents well, and I mean, the otters. Yeah, her her parents. I mean, oh, her parents, I, I feel yeah. like that's also kind of a Hollywoodism too, where every like character that set of characters that can be a couple will eventually become one in Hollywood yeah. or TV, right? You know, like. I guess I didn't mind because I I feel like two characters can, you know, just be friends or partners or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's um, possible. A bunny, <laughs> and a, and a, a female bunny, and a male 
Fox could not be not relation like romantic with each other. I don't know anything from the Discovery can't Channel. Be friends. <laughs> no, you're thinking of the birds and the bees. Mike. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so they can't be friends. Where does the where does the limit end there? Like, because there's like flies on like things. Like, are those things sentient? Like, are those things walking around like having jobs? <laughs> oh, on Cheech's. Yeah, uh, hairdo or whatever the the moose. Like, where are we drawing no, the line know. here? Like, and, th- and there's times where like later in the film, and I, I want to go through the plot real quick after I, this. But later in the film, he says that he sold a a fur rug to somebody. That's like me <laughs> like skinning somebody and selling their their flesh. Oh as, my like, god, a rug. I missed that too. Holy <laughs> shit! Oh my Who god. said that? Uh, Nick. The so later he gets it, when he's in trouble with the uh, the the vole or whatever. Uh, it's because he sold a skunk's fur, and it was the butt of a skunk. And he wanted a different fur. So that means God he just damn. wanted a different human <laughs> rug. Ted Bundy here. So, like, all of these animals must look at each other as not other people. You know that's, what I mean? Like That's one of the most excellent points. Of it's like, <laughs> you found a talking cow. Would you still eat it? Yeah. What Have you the, read what um, do the predators eat? Hitchhiker's Guide? Um. <laughs> what meat is chosen to be meat for other predators? <laughs> is everything soylent green? <laughs> I'd love to interview my burger. Um, on June's point earlier with the zebra stripe uh, crosswalk, I that was going to be a plus I had for this film was this world was very thorough. And it felt like the designers took a... Uh, I, mean, they, I think they I just cared, poked a huge hole in it. Well, well, they cared, they cared a lot about the design. Like, uh... Shit. What was I so, going to say? What I'll say God is every it. individual scene felt like deep and thought through, right? Like zebra stripes and oh, doors the, for small animals on trains. And the rainforest then, like, has sprinklers. That's what I was yeah, going to say. <laughs> but then if you like take everything all together, nothing makes sense at all. Like what is this city has like six major climates. It goes from a, you know, Sahara desert to the tundra, like through a wall. Um, but they all converge on Zootopia. And uh, then there's like a, a small enclave of like mice within the city that is like a small <laughs> city in and of itself. And how, how do you think? How do you think the 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 meat supply works in the city? Do they have to like do an IQ test? And if you're below a certain IQ, you're part of like the farm community. Or so, maybe like if you put donor on your like driver's license, if you get oh, donors, <laughs> organ donors are legitimately. <laughs> oh man, we're we're turning this into a dystopia really quick. <laughs> what about milk? They had ice cream. Whose milk are they using for the ice cream? <laughs> oh no, Mike. I mean, that's easy. It's obviously Tommy Chong's. <laughs> Is it just people that they keep in farm somewhere? They're milking people. <laughs> oh, no. And eating them, too. Yeah, they all eat people. Oh. I, like maybe, maybe, maybe it meant at the beginning, if we can make this PG again, maybe because like when the predators became civilized, they all moved on to like a plant-based only diet possibly nope. you know impossible burger style you know there's factory farms here mike and they're full of people <laughs> should i jump through the plot we've been doing for 30 minutes okay let's let's keep let's keep going let's unless jude do you have anything else to add i just thought hyena gomez was funny <laughs> <laughs> take us home mike or take us away all right 
So <clears throat> after Judy had her terrible first day, she goes back out uh, to start putting out tickets again the next day. And, and she uh, witnesses a, a theft that occurs with a weasel. Uh, his name is Duke. So she's chasing him throughout the city. And they end up kind of destroying a little bit of the town. And she catches up to him, um, rescues some other little... I don't think they're voles, actually. I was reading on the... Uh, the wiki here that they're arctic shrews so she she <laughs> rescues an arctic shrew uh which is important for a later plot but anyways and then but she the most important thing she catches is duke the weaselton but turns out that her little chase was actually more detrimental to the city and the only thing that the duke wheels the, the, the weasel had was um some like bulbs or like some i think call them like onions or like stale onions at this moment uh she's being chewed out by the chief and uh the other issue that I forgot to bring up, which is actually really important to the plot, there's been 14 missing predators in the city, and the cops are investigating, trying to figure it out, and she wanted to be on one of those cases. Obviously, she didn't get one of those. Uh, but at this moment, one of the wives of one of the missing predators comes into the police chief's office, um, named uh, Mrs. Otterton, and her husband, Mr. Otterton, is one of those missing people, and she's begging the chief to, like, you know, have any information and to keep looking, and... Judy kind of steps up and says that she'll she'll go look for Mr. Otterton and this pisses off the chief and so the chief kind of tells Judy that like you're you're fired but at that moment the chief's or the uh, the mayor's assistant who's a a little sheep uh is talking to Mrs. Otterton outside and Mrs. Otterton had told this the chief, the uh, the mayor's assistant that Judy took the case and so they're now she's kind of luckily we- weaseled her way into uh being able to find uh Mr. Otterton however the chief says that uh, she she has 48 hours to do it or she has to resign herself. And she agrees to do that. Um, so now she's she's back out kind of looking around and she goes down, and gets the case file. And there's there's like no information in this case files except for a photo. And in the photo, he can see she, Judy looks at it uh, like real close and she sees that one of the popsicles is being um, eaten by somebody. I don't remember who, but it's the same popsicle that uh, Nick, that Fox had been selling uh, so she tracks down Nick, you know, Nick's like, he, he doesn't want anything to do with it. He doesn't care. He's out there hustling again. And, uh, Judy kind of records him saying some stuff about tax evasion and essentially blackmails him into getting him to, uh, help Judy look into this, this lead about Mr. Otterton. And, uh, they, the, the only place that Nick knew where the Mr. Otterton had gone was this, um, nudist colony facility. <laughs> so Judy and, and Nick are taken there. And uh, they get a, another lead from uh, Chong, who's a playing a uh, some kind of wildebeest or something. And he he remembers the license plate of a car that came and picked up Mr. Otterton from that from that establishment like a couple weeks ago. Judy goes with Nick to the uh, the DMV, which is run by a bunch of sloths, and is able to kind of find the plate through uh, the use of one of the, he has like an inside friend that works at the DMV and he looks up the plate for them and gets the information and it belongs to this limo company from in the Arctic area while they're investigating the limo they find in the back of it uh, the, all of these kind of scratch marks it looks like there was some kind of a like savage animal had gone crazy in the back of this limousine they also find his uh, Mr. Otterton's wallet back there so they kind of you know they got a, a pretty good lead there but at this moment Nick kind of realizes whose limo they're in and he he freaks out and and when they're about to leave they open the door uh, these two big polar bears wearing Adidas uh, grab them <laughs> and take them to the, the mob boss's house uh, Nick's afraid of the mob boss because he sold them a fake or a, a rug that wasn't what he said it was. It was a, the butt of a skunk. Um, so they're brought into this kind of mob boss's house, and and the guy's name is Mister Big. 
Um, turns out he's an Arctic shrew, and he, you know, tells the his his men to to kill them. Uh, but before they get killed, this little shrew's uh, daughter shows up, and apparently it's her wedding day, and she uh, she convinces her dad to uh, let them go because uh, Judy was actually the the person who helped save her from a giant rolling donut from the from the weasel chase scene earlier in the film. So now he's able to kind of give him some more information about Mr. Otterton. Turns out Mr. Otterton, they they picked him up from that place, but he went crazy in the back. In fact, he he attacked the driver of the limo. Um, so that's kind of their, their next stop is they head to the driver's house to see what kind of information they can get from him. And he's um, he's like held up in the jungle area and won't open the door to him. He's like super afraid of something. And he keeps referring to the night howlers. Uh, something happens and there's a ruckus behind the door. And he, now this guy's gone feral as well. The driver, and he's a, he's this big, um, panther. Uh, so they, they run away from this panther. Panther tries to kill them and they're running through this, through the rest of the jungles and call for backup. Uh, but by the time backup gets there, the, the panther's gone and they don't know what happened to it. And at this point, uh, the chief tells Judy that she's essentially done and, and she's uh, fired from the force. Uh, but Nick says, you know, that they still have 10 more hours. And so they, uh, the chief kind of reluctantly lets them leave and they continue back on to looking for what happened. Nick has a, uh, epiphany that they should look into the street cameras to see who came and grabbed the Panther after they, you know, lost track of it. So they go to the mayor's assistant at city hall and she's kind of like held up in this tiny little closet. And you can tell that she's definitely stepped on and underappreciated by the, uh, the mayor who's a, uh, he's a lion. She pulls up the camera feeds throughout the city and they're able to track down that these two wolves showed up and stole and put them in a car and drove them out of town. So they follow that clue and they get to this big plant or this big uh, facility that's up on the side of the mountain and they're able to uh, kind of sneak or? their way in. It's protected by some wolves and they're, they're assuming that's the night howlers is the wolves. And in this facility, they find out that there's this kind of underground, it was an old hospital, and, and they discover all of these cages. And in each of the cages are the 14 missing predators, and now the 15 with the panther as well. And all of these these missing predators have all gone savage, and they're all monsters now. And in comes a doctor with the mayor, and, and we get the background that they've collected these people up, and they're hiding these people in this facility, but they're trying to figure out what happened to them. It wasn't their fault or they're doing something else has happened to these people. They want to keep it hushed up because they don't want to cause a panic because 90% of the population of Zootopia are prey and the 10% are the predators and even the mayors are predators. So they don't want to cause that panic to, to incite. They kind of are, are, they get caught in the facility, but they're able to escape down a drain and with the recordings, bring the, uh, the rest of the police back and they're, they arrest the mayor and the mayor's, you know, he's trying to plead innocent and, whatever but he he gets he gets arrested and that makes the the mayor's assistant is now the new mayor so there's a big press conference and we have a little bit of a falling out between nick and nick and judy at this point because she chooses her words inappropriately and kind of hints toward the fact that maybe this is just something in a savage or in a uh, predator's dna that causes them to eventually become savage this hits nick hard because nick had a, a a situation when he was a kid that he got kind of bullied by a bunch of the prey because he was a predator uh, Judy decides that she's not doing any good for the city because now the city starts to have riots and people are starting to become very suspicious of all predators and they're kind of they're now the minority and they're kind of pushed into a, a bad situation uh, throughout the entire city and Judy takes that personally she thinks it's her fault so she quits the forest moves back home to the farm and I'll, I'll go into the, the I think just the last portion after uh, we talk about the 
the middle here. Yeah, this is a good good uh, point to kind of take a pause. And one thing I'll say is, especially hearing you kind of recount what happened in this movie, this was very busy. Mm-hmm. And not, yeah. I'm not sure if it was like in the best way. It, it feels like there's a lot of stuff happening just to happen. Well, I mean, kind of what I was, I hit on it a little bit when I was kind of going through the plot there. As each of the stages of the investigation occur, it's just laid out in a straight line. It's never, you know, it's not like, it's not like they're kind of fall into certain spots and it's kind of luck, but majority of it is, here's a clue. They go conclude that clue, find a new clue, conclude that clue. It's not like any kind yeah. of like big reveal at the end. Yeah. It's Which very is easy to, to What you to would follow. expect from a children's Freddy Kids Cop movie, sure. yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I had a problem with the fucking recorder that they kept using over and over and over and over. It was like, okay, yeah. like they should have used it once in the beginning to get Nick in. And then the payoff is Nick uses it again at the end when, you know, he does it. But like they, they play it like three or four times and that's just kind of lazy to me to play I that agree. joke. Um, yeah. Also... I, I know June probably did too. I started crying laughing when Mr. Big was little Vol and he was just the godfather. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty good. <clears throat> Arctic Shrew. <laughs> yeah, the Arctic Shrew. There true. is um <laughs> he was, I feel like there's a lot to unpack with this movie and how it simultaneously is like super I guess anti racist, but also really leans on a lot of bad cop <laughs> tropes. If that makes sense, right? Like cops entrapping people and twisting them into complying and <laughs> mm-hmm. well also like you know they're, they're the worst cops it's like they're yeah they're focused on this particular investigation but they're also just letting a organized crime mobster who quote ices people <laughs> by yeah you know dumping them into freezing water he's just he, they're just chill with that like yeah oh he's helping us so it's good <laughs> yeah yeah well even judy who's supposed to be you know the epitome of the good cop right is still blackmailing people that's like, why that's I, illegal. I think nick should have been a cop so like you have this like he's kind of like not a great cop and then judy makes him a better cop because he goes man you now i remember what it was like when you're I was just a trying cop. to turn this movie into hot fuzz yes I want it to be hot fuzz. <laughs> you know, Nick did the opposite, though. Nick made Judy into a kind of a bad cop. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, can I just say, though, that uh, Sloth's running the DMV is one of the greatest cinematic achievements of our time. Yep. I, <laughs> that I, scene was fucking amazing. Yeah, right. that, was, that was art. <laughs> the guy's name was, what was his name? Like, Blaze or something Flash. like that? <laughs> Flash. Flash. <laughs> On the same vein, I, I really want to know what was going on in the writing room. Because like, some guy at some point was like, hey, what about this? We get Tommy Chong to play a stoned hippie yak who <laughs> runs a nudist hot spring in a children's movie. So here's – and I'm probably giving the writers more credit by trying to tie this together. I – looking back now – see the nudist scene as like the first glimpse into the quote savagery that like goes later so like if you think about all the animals in the nudist colony are acting like the animals used to right so like bears are scrubbing themselves and you know they're all acting kind of how they would have naturally acted but that's like the positive side of the savagery 
And then the negative side later is like all the violence and predatory instinct and stuff like that. I don't know yeah. if the writers meant to pull that together or if I'm just extrapolating it. If they did, good on them. That's cool. But I don't think so because they don't really play on that later. No, some guy just took a big yeah. hit and was like, Tommy <laughs> Chong. <laughs> well, and then that, they, that scene was good though as, as he remembered everything and tried to prompt the elephant to remember that remember yeah. I, <laughs> I found that pretty amusing there there were a lot of scenes in this that were really top notch i think mm-hmm. I, I like i i want to know again i want to know where they draw the line here like why are there certain human proportions these animals have and then other proportions that are realistic to the animal itself what? like what what do you mean is that not weird you guys like during so like during the the naturalist colony or whatever the nudist one like like some of the animals have like feminine f- figures to them like busty and hips and stuff like that and then you have like an elephant which is just an elephant like why is why are uh, some of these animals human shaped why, why did they try to humanize certain yeah, species like, why did they just leave the animals the animal shapes Appealing to the furry market. <laughs> ah, the other demographic of people watching this movie. Otters are much hotter than elephants. It's just a fact. <laughs> well, they had like those, like they had the pigs. The only reason I'm thinking about this now is because of that scene. It is a good point that you made there about this naturalism, how they're, they were acting natural, right? So you saw the pigs in the pig pen, and they all were just like big, fat looking pigs. And then later on in the DMV, there's like a well done, like nicely dressed pig lady who has like very feminine features to her. <laughs> Very weird. Uh, uh, yes, the, the yeah. two genders, woman and pig. <laughs> I just want to know, like, can we pick a lane? Like, are we going to commit all of them or none of them? Mike, we, oh we my need God. you. Mike, you're not ready for the movie room. that is that is like uh, the Top Gun volleyball scene with pigs and squirrels and stuff <laughs> they're all just abs and oiled up and whatever oh man that's a greased pig joke that should go in somewhere in the sequel um it, that should have been the prompt the, the reverse of this reminds me of who's the villain from uh kung fu panda oh the I don't, the, the tiger shao shao Kahn. yeah Shao. yeah the 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 snow leopard yeah and I mean, I guess the kind of reverse is true too with like um the police captain. He's he's like a very masculine build despite being a like a a, a buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, buffalo. Yeah, it, I don't know. I think it's funny. I guess there's like sexy animal, buff animal, and <laughs> just animal. <laughs> We've established this. Okay. On the topic of Bogo, um, I had a problem with his character in that I. I really dislike I get how they're playing the buddy cop like the the hard chief that you know takes no guff and just doesn't like you and by the end you got to prove yourself to make him like you I'm fine with that like him being the old school like the joke where he's like we have a new person I don't care all right next thing like that's funny but then like he goes on to where he's just a bad cop but then we're supposed to accept him as a good guy like I think they should have been like He's just a tough boss and like, but he has like a very profound sense of justice, not just like, I'll burn this department down because like, I I couldn't figure out, I was waiting for them to flip it and make him like, yeah, Bogo knew the entire time. And you know what I mean? But like, it turns out he's just a good guy. His character confused me and it really was like mud for this movie for me. 
Yeah, he went from the villain of the first half to one of the good guys in the second half without a whole ton of justification other than just cause. Yeah, and I think and I think he was supposed a... to represent. Go ahead. I, I think he was supposed to represent just like a jaded cop, right? Like the city kind of chewed him up and he doesn't expect somebody like a bunny to... There's his prejudice, right? He doesn't expect a female bunny to be able to take the city on. And it's kind of like a, a almost like a babysitting job having to deal with this. And he's annoyed because she's like, you know, using the, the powers of the mayor's office to always have like little favors and crap like that. Like that pissed me off too. But it, A little you know, bit. He, but he, he almost effectively says... You're here because of like affirmative action. Mm-hmm. You don't deserve it. And <laughs> and I mean, putting aside the really transparent affirmative action metaphor of like that the mammal inclusion program, but <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah. So I mean that that doesn't he doesn't seem open minded at all. He seems like an asshole, and like he it seems like he hates Hops more because she's a bunny than. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, which is all fine if he has an arc. Like you can have him be kind of racist and terrible and all those things, but like in the end, like you give him that moment. If you're not going to make him the bad guy, where she does something good, she kind of cracks the case and like comes to him and he's like, you know what, you're a good cop, and I uh, I was wrong. But I don't remember a scene like that really. I mean, there's a scene where he's like telling her she's good, but like it's when they want to make her the face of racism. You know, like, yeah. like, that's maybe, when he maybe, accepts her. <laughs> maybe that's just his leadership style, right? Like he does it with everybody. Like all new recruits <laughs> come in. It's a trial by uh, negative re- reinforcement, right? Like you have to get uh, yes. through my first month of treating you like crap. And then <laughs> the, I respect you. The famous leadership style of bad. <laughs> so I I took that as she she essentially proved herself, even though. Uh, it was the wrong guy, right? Because he, she, she does arrest, lead to the arrest of the mayor, and uh, and all that. So I think mm-hmm. there is a sense of like she has proved herself, uh, kind of. But all of this falls apart in the very beginning when she first arrives at the precinct, because it's like we are led to believe, or the they want the viewers to feel like, oh, she is just, you know, getting she's a meter maid now because of who she is or that she's, you know, a bunny slash a woman kind of thing, right? Right. But it's, at the end of the day, you're a fucking rookie. That's, like, yeah, no, right. I had a problem with no that chief, too. No chief is going to be like, oh, and we'd like to welcome our new recruit. Uh, your first case is a triple homicide. You're going to find right. out who killed JFK. <laughs> <laughs> but but at, know, the same, at the same time, all you had to say is like, nope, you get the maid because you're a rookie, right? Instead of well, like, hmm, Race? That's now, hold why. On. Let's, let's let's go a little bit in, more into this. Maybe he's doing her a favor by he's getting her tough, right? He's getting her ready for a hard city, getting her kind of a little bit thicker skin by kind of being an asshole. And then on top of that, being a meter maid means she's gonna be driving the streets a lot more, which she's gonna learn like the kind of the areas and get used to the town and kind of meet the community. Like I think that this chief might actually have a good kind of a uh, a deal going on here with uh, his training program and this. Yeah, Zootopia. he Mr. Miyagi'd her. I would love that. <laughs> I think that's perfect. We need Mike in the writing room because a scene where he said that he did that because he wanted to toughen her up and show her that that makes him a great character. That makes you yeah. go like, oh, I like Bogo. This whole time I thought he was a jerk, but, you know, he was just helping her. Like, that's a good – but this movie is missing those payoffs. It, like, sticks to the big drum beats 
but doesn't get like the intricate stuff. Now, in the detail of the world, it does, but in the story beats, it doesn't. Yeah. So this is a, a fairly short movie, right? Hour and a half's not that long. I guess it's kind of normal, but I think if they added another half an hour and got rid of all the filler, but had that kind of stuff, it might have been a, a, like a really good movie. I don't think they need another half hour. I think they need to cut the third act to just end with the mayor being bad and uh. and just fill in the characters that you have up to there. <laughs> I don't so- need the whole third act. I just don't think that her proving herself to the police chief was a central point of this at all. I just think, yeah, there wasn't a payoff, but I don't think it really mattered. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, the insubordination that Judy has. Like, (laughs) what do you mean I'm doing meters the first day? (laughs) I was the best at school. (laughs) The more I think about Judy, the more annoying she is. I, I think this is a good segue into the the final act, though. We should probably cover that and kind of mm-hmm. yeah. loop back around. All right, sounds good. Um, so where do we leave off? So she's back home now, and she's um, selling carrots. By the way, I heard carrots are terrible for rabbits. Like it's they're not supposed to eat that many carrots because they're too sweet or something like that. I'm gonna, That's why they have blueberries. I'm gonna confirm this. Keep going. So um, while she's back at her hometown, she sees. Uh, her family again and her parents are there and uh that that uh, fox from her childhood shows up and he apparently has changed his ways very apologetic kind of explained that he was filled with a lot of anger and anguish back then and it kind of came out in- inappropriately and this makes judy kind of realize the error of her ways i guess i don't know anyway so she so <laughs> there, there's there's a little short scene where the the dad bunny starts yelling at the little kids to stay away from these blue purple looking flowers that are, are lining his field and um it turns out uh that those flowers cause caused the uh, the dad's brother to uh, attack the mom or whatever when they were younger and that kind of like resonates in judy is kind of strange uh but it becomes apparent what those are when uh, the fox from her childhood, ever, I don't know his name he calls them night howlers and he, judy kind of puts two together and realizes that that's the flower that's being used as a chemical to create these people um, to, or causing these people to become these savage animals. Uh, so she jumps in the car, uh, drives back to the city to find Nick to get help into continuing the investigation into these these night flowers. She finds Nick, apologizes to him. Nick um, does a little recorder thing again because he's had it after he got it back from Judy earlier in the film. And uh, they make up and they, uh, they decide to go... Um, investigate further into these uh these these chemicals and they're able to track down um through the weasel that they uh that she had chased at the very beginning the one that had the donut incident and and you know what have you she and it turns out that the weasel was carrying those flowers and not the onions he wasn't stealing onions he was he was taking these flowers to this dealer or to this uh chemist who lives under the city um they're able to kind of interrogate him, figure out where this this location is, and they go and they track down this um, subway system where they're they find a, a ram um, cultivating these flowers into this toxic chemical that is causing these animals to become savage. They decide not to go get help, but they decide to get the evidence right then and there. Uh, they kind of have a big kind of fight scene slash they trick the rams and uh a big train accident happens where they're trying to drive the train down the tracks and and uh they find out that this ram guy he's the kind of the sniper and he he loads these little blue balls into this um this dark gun and he's been shooting all of these uh these animals around the town uh, i'm not quite sure 
why yet, but uh, they you know they're able to kind of try to deter determine what's going on with the the blue stuff um, by trying to steal it and and bring it to the uh, the, the police. Um, turns out that the little sheep mare, the the mayor's assistant, who is now the mayor, um, has been behind this the whole time and she's been employing these um these chemists to shoot these chemicals at these at the predators and only predators so that the predators are going to be uh the 10 percent of the city that are the predators will be kind of uh put in their place i guess she has a this little sheep is tired of the predators being bullies um but anyways um so with the blueberries and all that uh, they have a scene where she reveals her plan to judy as they're stuck in a hole and they shoot Nick with one of the darts and Nick attacks Judy, but it turns out it was just a blueberry. Uh, so they kind of played the mayor and did a hustle on her and recorded her admitting the, you know, doing, you know, 007 style <laughs> the evil villain telling the whole plot of the entire film. And then they now have the recording and the police show up and arrest her and everything goes back to normal. And also Nick becomes a police officer. And in the final scene, there's a dance number and that's the whole film. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can I talk about what this conspiracy was for a second? Okay, actually, there's one thing I want to say first. And the the vice mayor, Bellwether, her motivation was pretty much to become mayor. I guess. I guess. Like, she, she wanted more power, which is the most boring motivation for any villain ever. I hate it so much. That's That's one thing that pissed me off about Avengers is... Why is Loki the bad guy? Because he wants power. To do what with? To be powerful. That when we get there. <laughs> um, the conspiracy at the core of this movie was the vice mayor wanted to be mayor or more powerful. So she was employing uh, these chemists to start inciting violence among predators, right? Making them go savage with this concoction. And that got stymied when the mayor somehow was snatching them up before the police could get them and storing them in a secret lab to keep it quiet. <laughs> and so the, and it, I guess it just so happened that Judy Hopps ended up investigating and the vice mayor was like, sure, okay, yeah. And then because they catch him, the cops arrest the mayor. Did, did, and, and, like, did the vice mayor know that the mayor was snatching up these predators yeah. before? Because... And she was just like, God damn it, my plan is not working. What is happening to all to these savages keep... I'm making? Like, <laughs> if only there was some spunky new cop who could like, fix this. Find I, out I feel why like she had more direct ways working. to. I think, uh, yeah, well, okay, but yeah, but like maybe that, that, I think that was part of her plot, right? Get the bunny cop to look into it and then reveal it so that the mayor gets arrested, right? And so now she can become mayor. I feel like she could have made some much more direct pointers to judy hops to say yeah hmm, the mayor's been going this place or something yeah but also maybe you guys can point to where my logic breaks how did they get the night howler name so she if i remember correctly she goes to the panther and the panther goes the otter was just yelling about these night howlers mm-hmm. how would the otter know about the night howlers he got sniped i think well i think in the, the night, limo. i think the I think the otter was a was one of the chemists, wasn't he? Didn't it say that? Didn't the the was Arctic, he? whatever the Arctic thing, the the it's called the whole <laughs> the little he was, he was on his way to blow the whole thing wide open. Yeah, 
I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like the whole <laughs> Night Howler thing was a little underdeveloped too, right? Because in, um, yeah, yeah. I, well, how about the fact that uh, the bunnies are using this toxic plant to line their fields that kids are playing in? And then later when we go to see this little yeah. uh, chemist guy who's cultivating it, he's wearing full PPE with like hazmat gear. <laughs> like. <laughs> The- yeah, and they're just like, oh, yeah, your uncle bit someone when he ate one of these. I, I feel like that would be a memorable event to, <laughs> to Judy. <laughs> the whole third I- act is broken. And I did like it's gonna, weak. If we're going to talk about puns the, in, the, in the little chemist shop when there's two, uh, the two other sheep show up, the two rams. Uh, their name is Walter and Jesse, like from Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a few, um, like even the my favorite character ever, the weasel who first of all is dealing Disney movies that haven't been made yet. <laughs> and it's like, what was it? Me, Miwana, Miawana or something like that. <laughs> like, and then he, he, that was, that was prior to Moana coming out. Yeah. Too. yeah. And then, um, he's sitting there and they're interrogating him. He goes, I'm sorry. They offered the one thing I couldn't refuse money. Oh, <laughs> 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 There's a lot of there's a lot of good ones. Um, uh, just while we're on that topic, uh, I think uh, the police chief was like says something about like you're you're not in some you know animated cartoon world that, <laughs> like where everything works out. And he, I think he says let it go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, he I, says you don't I just caught, sing uh, a song and then it's all worked out. Yeah, <laughs> I like uh, I caught urban snout fitters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're walking out of a tar goat. When the donut scene inciting a scurry yeah, yeah. <laughs> i enjoyed how when she was uh busting um uh nick for tax evasion you know he's this is just after he's stereotyping her as a dumb bunny and she says well we are good at multiplying oh yeah, yeah. so the sign on bunny town that was like population incrementing by the tens every second <laughs> <laughs> Where did it, so I think was it Shane? You were talking about how like it, it kind of implied that these animals have their natural tendencies already kind of ingrained into their DNA, and they kind of come out already. Um, but this but this pill, like, what is it? It just it just makes things. It's essentially rabies, is what's happening with yes. this, this blue thing that they're shooting people. Right? It's not bringing out what they naturally are because it said that the the uncle also attacked, and then Judy's like bunnies can be savage, and that kind of that's when she that's when she realizes that. She made the mistake of assuming that only only uh, predators can be the savage ones, right? Um, yeah, she, they were saying it seems to be something innate or biological, and, and like the whole. But like, where where does that with, like with all the other animals? Like the bunnies mass produce the 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 lemmings follow lemming like like all these animals have their own already their, like, their their natural kind of tendencies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I don't know it. I really was enjoying the movie up into the third act. And I think the break was literally after the mayor got caught. That's when like the movie really tumbled hard for me. And I'm just going to keep complaining about the third act. So I'm going to try not to just beat a dead horse. But yeah, that's most of my problems I have with this film occur in the third act. So what I'll say is I feel like I'm of two minds on this, right? In that, It got a lot messier. There were a lot more holes and it got a lot more contrived. But also, I think it was a more interesting movie for um, uh, Judy to have that sort of fall, 
right? And to to make that mistake and to like have sort of a untidy finish and have to actually understand it herself. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's that's the difference where between a movie that's just like here's the moral of the story and bigoted people bad show up for the sequel <laughs> and this movie which was you know had had character arcs in it at least you know judy had to learn and i don't think that would have come across the same way without the third act without her making this huge mistake that she has to fix yeah i agree and that was yeah. a powerful scene uh, i th- i think um <clears throat> when she because it's like she wasn't outright being offend like trying to be offensive right right like, but it showed kind of a subconscious uh, stuff, and and we got a glimpse of that in her childhood, whatever, with her like bully being a fox or and and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. he, then then she has the conversation with Nick too, where it's just like you're not like one of them, you know. And he's like, oh, so there's the them now, and it's like, yeah, okay. Uh, I think that set the main low point for her to mm-hmm. f- and set up the redemption. Yeah, but. The execution of that was re- it, it was messy. It, yeah. it was contrived. I agree. Yeah. I will agree. I I did. L- I'll agree that it's nice to have a little more complicated arc, per se. Yeah. But yeah, that 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 is one thing I'll credit this movie with is it was okay with getting complicated sometimes. It took a big swing at a very hard topic, and I'll say generally it did a pretty good job. Well, even I from think- a even from a plot perspective, they tidied it up very well. Like, you don't see any significance in him being like, or Nick being, ooh, blueberries, and then taking a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but that came out in the end, you know, when they replaced the blue paintball with blueberries. Right. You know, th- this movie did a good job of, like, Chekhov's gunning things, right? You know, where the the famous saying, you know, if, if you load a gun in Act 1, you have to shoot it in Act 2, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. and. The, the sort of corollary is that if you shoot a gun at some point, you, you have to load it earlier so the audience can see it. Yeah. Where whether it's uh, setting up the, the fox in the first, you know, prologue or, um, yeah, it, it did a good job of bookending things, right? Like with this, uh, the, the carrot recorder and the hustle at the end where they kind of catch the, the vice mayor in her monologuing. But at the same time, that... I feel like how good it was at sort of setting those up just makes the whole Night Howlers thing even more egregious. It felt like mm-hmm. that was something that just got introduced in the last act just to like, oh, this is what a Night Howler is. And I'm, yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> so they had the wolves that were earlier in the film that were the bodyguards or not the bodyguards. They were like the uh, I don't know, the other the people that were uh, the no the, the muscle. wolves, the muscle for the, the mayor and the facility, right? And the guys that come then, out of the van and and take right, the... Right, uh, the ones yeah. who collected the savage animals yeah. and brought them to that facility. They didn't work for the bad guy. They worked for the good mayor, or the one that was being framed or whatever. He um, has an extrajudicial militia. How good is he? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess and, what I'm trying to get to uh, in a very convoluted way is all I'm trying to say is there was a point in the film where it did have what we're talking about, that setup because the wolves kept howling at stuff. And there's a couple of funny jokes where, you know, yeah. Judy howled and made the wolves start howling and it distracted them long enough so they can get past them. So it did set up why we would think they were called the night howlers. Um, yeah, it was, good to, it was a good way to deceive the viewer. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if you'd like to hear Jack's other reference of Chekhov's gun, listen to our Sleuth episode. And subscribe to our fake Patreon. <laughs> Support our Patreon. Um, 
I guess my frustration is that... Wait, June, are you running a Patreon without us knowing about it? How much have you made? <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> <It's> a good... <laughs> I, I don't mind... Yeah, okay, if anyone gets Patreon money, I'm, I'm paying the hosting fees for this podcast. <laughs> I, um, I agree with that. I, well, like I, we should... um, editing is harder work. We're talking about that. this later. <laughs> um, the, uh, um, what... I, to, to your point, Mike, right, where we talk about misleading the audience i don't mind like a red herring but you have to be able to look back and see the step that you missed or the wrong turn you took right where yeah you know yeah you you have to it's like the opposite of like watching a magician you have to be able to see where you got misled right because the the movies with the good twist you need to look back and be able to say like oh it does make yeah. sense in the contents context of this scene at the beginning. He and, was dead the whole this, time. <laughs> so maybe you can confirm this because I don't remember it. But so I so I agree. So like the fact is that the the blue flower suddenly shows up and we suddenly call it. The guy calls it, you know, a, a night howler, mm-hmm. and then suddenly we're supposed to be like, oh, this is the first time we saw this blue flower. Oh, that's what they meant. That's dumb. But wasn't there a scene at the beginning when she, when she arrests the weasel guy that he had one of the blue flowers? Well, he had, he had the roots, the bulbs of them to grow them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which... And they okay. flash back to that, but I, I don't recall there ever being anything meaningful about like them being night howlers or them doing this. Yeah. Well, he was the one that eventually led them to the... Because he's like the middleman that's bringing the bulbs to the guy to cultivate them. But to Jack's point... I, I agree with Jack on this, where he's absolutely right, where she needs to be like, oh, yeah, those are yada, yada, yada. Other people call them night howlers or something, just like really offhandedly, or like they're night something. Oh, what's the nickname for them? Night something. You know, it's something that yeah. the, when you listen the first time, you throw away. But when it, in the second view, you go, oh, nailed it. It was right there. So I, I agree, like... Jack, you bring up a good point. If this was like Shutter Island, but you can't expect, <laughs> you know, you can't expect nine-year-old Jimmy, who this is targeted against, or twenty-eight-year-old Shane to like figure that out. You know what I mean? Oh, you think I'm twenty-eight? I mean, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, you know, you yeah. you need to have that payoff, and it's made more egregious because they do this so much with everything else, right? Whether in the 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 subway car that they're trying to drive away and nick is like well why don't we just take this gun and he holds up the case with the gun in it and you know later on when and she's like no we got to take the whole car and then because things happen the car explodes and you're like oh we lost all the evidence and nick's like no we don't i grabbed the gun you know it it fits it ties it up right and with this one it's just made more egregious because this is so crucial to plot and they did so well everywhere else now, now, I like I. So at the beginning of this, I I was in agreement with you, Jack. But now I am actually. I think I want to disagree. I want personally. I feel like it did actually tie it up kind of nicely with a bow. But the fact is, it's a child's movie, or it's made for kids, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, which means that I wasn't probably paying a lot of attention to it. It was supposed to be just kind of fun. But the more I'm thinking about it, and the more we're talking about it, it is, in my opinion, uh, it has that the first arrest had the bulbs sure we didn't know what they were and then we had the middle section with the wolves howling so we had that kind of misleading information and then we had the the actual flowers growing with the garden scene and then a character that was from all the way back at the very beginning kind of plugging in the information the missing information we needed and that set off the rest of the events at the very end of the movie it's actually not well it's actually not poorly done as far as 
giving that sense of, oh, uh, at least for me. Yeah, I mean, my I feel like what was set up was going back to the weasel as the lead. That, I, I feel like, is what they set up. It felt like, I mean... So when there's a bit of misdirection in a movie, right, which happens all the time, right? I think there's a distinction between leaving out like a, a false clue and lying to the audience, right? And having sort of a false clue, like saying, you know, and hiding the, the real clue in plain sight, that's satisfying because you know what, you know where you went wrong. And this one, it just felt more like lying to the audience, See, I had less issue with that yeah. and more issue with the fact of what the hell did she think she was going to do with a train? Like, she's yeah, going to okay, drive yeah. it to... <laughs> I want to talk about this, too. To the CBD. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, they have this train car. They know where it is. No one knows they know it's there. They can just leave and come back. <laughs> Shut your mouth. We got to fucking drive this thing out of here and get it to the mayor's office immediately. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to drive it to the mayor's office. Yeah, the, the subway to the police station. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Maybe rail is the Jesus. main form of transit in This Zootopia. is just going back to the fact that Judy's a terrible cop just, just all awful. around. Like she the the, the Hogs is what's his name? Huggins Hogs. The the chief is right. Like she does not belong in Zootopia. Yeah. I like the little I like the little uh again other nuances in this uh this section as well. Um so they sort of set up the from, from one of our earlier points before that long diatribe there. Uh Bogo about His name's the Bogo. About the assistant mayor or whatever the fuck, uh vice mayor, Mary Bell. Uh like what her, yeah, like what her plot was going to be or whatever she she I think she provides the cameras which are apparently fucking everywhere um (laughs) in extreme detail she provides access to the camera system to judy um with uh, presumably the intent that she will figure out that the actual mayor is behind it uh one of the things during that scene that was fun though is like oh it she's she's set as a character that is constantly shit on by the mayor yeah and i think that provides a little bit of psychotic uh motive Right to to take his seat, but she and she also says like I don't I I don't know why I'm I'm here. I think he just wanted the sheep vote, <laughs> which was like deep, you know. Yeah. Um. In in defense of this movie, um, I think they even referenced that her position was created as like an affirmative action kind of thing, right? Like the the vice mayor, or Judy? the vice mayor, right? Was it? she part of the mammal placement program or something like that too i, I no, think no, she was she a part was a, of she was a proponent of it in the police okay i no, i they, thought the mayor's assistant was also created that way and then she turned out to be the villain which shows that just like it's a human nature kind of thing not but she because they like, also referred to it as the, she was also part of the um the prey what do they call it, it no the the you know like now that we're talking about this a lot more let's just hit on the fact that you're right there are so many adult points and themes in this that are i mean it's that fact that what we just barely cut is gonna be <laughs> so borderline like, i love how the viewers are gonna be like what you know the mean? hell did they cut <laughs> <laughs> what what did they talk about that was so... and the thing that was cut was in the movie <laughs> yeah yeah um there's a lot to unpack with this and i yeah i don't i don't know what else to say that i'm not gonna keep repeating myself but at the end of the day, let's just be thankful this movie didn't come out in 2020. 
Oh, thank you, Jesus. This would be, yeah, a very different story. You know, it's not like 2016 was forever ago, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but, but th- considering the events of 2020, that's with- true. Maybe a lot of the things that we're dealing with with this movie is just viewing it from a 2020 lens. Well, honestly, Wait, Zootopia oh, caused 2020. Oh my god! A, a lot of <laughs> watching this today, I feel like a lot differently about. Like, I, I feel like there would be a lot more scrutiny on what the cops are doing. Yeah, I feel like the hero movie. would not be a cop. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I found what she called it. She called it a prey supremacist. She was a prey supremacist. <laughs> Wow, that's that's a little on the nose. Did she actually say that? Yeah, in the film. I mean, I I think the film did do a good job in, like, um, kind of playing with the idea that, you know, th- this is a world where everyone judges everyone, and you know, anyone can get over their their prejudices, and you know, like. It wasn't just like a, a black and white. Oh, fuck, that's the wrong way to put this. <laughs> one just, one just, thing just, and another. This this isn't like a, a story of like one side is obviously good and one side is obviously bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like uh, I, I think it did a good job of um, showing how much of it is like human or animal nature and right how anyone can overcome their biases. Right. And, you know, it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that was good. Um, I don't know. It's it even that is like a delicate topic, right? And one nice thing about Zootopia is they do dodge around like the you know historic you know historical context that you know matters in America, for example. So they're they're able to make uh, points, you know, in a in a (laughs) contextual vacuum. (laughs) So do you know what they made the takeaway of this entire film at the very end? The last scene is um, Judy and Nick and they're both cops now and they got their big like SUV police car and they're on an assignment to chase down a guy who's been terrorizing the downtown like speeding, right? So they, uh, they're they driving around having a little quips with each other and then one the, the speeder you know, flies past them. They, they go after him, pull him over and they go up to the car and they're like, excuse me, sir, you're going 115 miles per hour. And as he rolls down the window, it turns out it's the sloth which is now pushing the fact that we learn nothing. We, our prejudice and our everything that we would assume somebody like, they're all like, oh, it's you. The sloth is the person who was driving the speedy. So in other words, like stereotypes still exist, right? Like how is that? The, the whole film has circled back on itself and we didn't learn anything from this entire growing process. We still feel stereotypical prejudices toward each other. This movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell <laughs> honestly talking about this there are points where i'm like wow i hated this movie mm-hmm. to, to like you know this was a pretty good movie to i don't know what the hell i think about yeah. this movie. This, is, this is a graduate level <laughs> film if you can if you don't lose sight of the fact that it's a children's movie mm-hmm. like they, i think they went above and beyond we can't rightfully expect it to be a shawshank redemption I agree, it's, but it's a hell I, of a lot better than the Avengers. I had a lot less issues with Incredibles, and that's a children's movie. Yeah, and I, Sheep Shank Redemption, and I, <laughs> and that's where I have an issue with this movie. Is like I go, okay, okay, let's let's forgive some things. Like think of other children's movies, but like Incredibles, which we have watched on this, was I had so many less issues. Now, granted, Incredibles didn't take a swing at a very tough topic like Zootopia did, 
um not or not as it's high of one but nobody else kind of aimed for this the standards that zootopia did Everybody else, like like I said at the beginning, uh, Pixar is very good about inserting little tidbits for the adults, but it, keeping it at a base, a children's movie. This was, I think, a little, little. They they introduced so many things that allowed us to gripe about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm a few, you know, one, uh, The Incredibles, I think, is really close to the pinnacle of what this. Uh, this particular genre can be right mm-hmm. and the pinnacles tackle some the 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 incredibles tackle some fairly significant topics right like mental illness depression like family yeah. yeah like trust um and and it, it tackles them in really human ways right and and not um uh yeah no i, I but, agree with you jack <laughs> i think you you nailed it they they humanize it a little more and I, I feel like Zootopia, I don't... In Incredibles, you can kind of relate to the characters. In Zootopia, yeah. I didn't relate to many of the characters because they were too cookie-cutter. Like, Mr. Incredible, you could identify with a man that, like, used to be something, and now he's not quite what he was, and now he's found a chance to be better. Or, like, the mom that, like, has kind of lost her identity because she's lost herself being just the mom of the house and doesn't feel appreciated. You can feel these human moments that I feel they could have had in Zootopia. They didn't nail in Zootopia like they do in other animated films that I think place higher. Well, I mean, here, I think that the the characters in Zootopia are actually more deep than the characters in um, The Incredibles. I think there's a lot more substance in Zootopia, a lot more real issues going on. And yeah, like they're all hit on in like a, a punny kind of way, but they're definitely more realistic to a big city as compared to suburbs, uh, you know, family life. Really? Uh, also, <sighs> to, to also, yes, it's hard to feel human emotions when you're watching a movie about animals that are, are not humans. So, yeah, you can relate to the humans and the Incredibles a lot easier. I, well, I, I, sorry, sorry, Shane, you can't relate to the fact that you were bullied for your race. Oh, come on. Uh, Jesus, how's that one going to stay in? Shane, you've never been bullied for being a human. Um, I got bullied for being me. I don't know. I mean, I feel like if anything with Zootopia, right, it's um, sometimes I feel like the characters are deep enough to advance the plot, right? And sort of the, the message of Zootopia comes from the plot more than the characters, if that makes sense. Whereas, you know, with The Incredibles, I feel like, you know... Uh, There's more uh, growth. I will, I'll give you that. There's much more growth in the characters of The Incredibles. Yeah, and you know, I, I feel like it, it's very personal, you know, where Mr. Incredible is, you know, he causes this whole problem with his hubris and dismissing this kid. And, you know, like the, the villain is motivated by like a sense of proving himself to the, the people who dismissed him and, you know, like... All, all well, of the main characters have like interesting motivations and failings, and they face consequences for those failings. And I, I don't know. I mean, so I, we, yeah, go on ahead. I, I, I'm not trying to again. Definitely in agreement with you. There's a lot more growth in The Incredibles. However, it also takes part over the span of years, as Zootopia takes part over two days, three. I think 48 hours. Fair so enough. It's very difficult to have growth in 48 hours. It takes a few weeks, but also, why why does it need to happen over the ca- course of a, a couple weeks? 
I mean, I mean, that's just storyline. I don't know. Because the police <laughs> chief said like the, so, Jack. That's a, that's a question for Disney. All right. The the storyline is what demands the time frame it takes. You Write know, and Disney a letter about their movie they made in 2016. I well, I mean, we're all being film critics here. I think we can criticize a film. I I will give Zootopia this. I never saw it. I went in and I did not expect anything that I saw in Zootopia. And yeah. <laughs> I will say that, yeah, it was a good movie. And the fact that we're like sort of critically comparing it with some of the movies that are like the best, right? I, th- I think that speaks well of it, right? But that's true. Still, still I, I walk away from it with reservations. Yeah. I'm going to disagree towards the end, but I'll save my point for when we rank this thing. All right. Good is it news, time to rank right this now. thing? <laughs> no, I got some uh, technical notes. Um, this was like, th- this is pretty good technologically they they disney was on the heels of uh bolt which i never saw it, but it didn't <laughs> look movie? interesting oh, at all movie? exactly yeah and since then the they had developed a uh a software called iGroom, which was a the pinnacle way to render hair i guess so like uh the huh. the two the two main characters had like two and a half million hairs individual hairs that were rendered wow um so this movie what well, you're saying it was purely made just to show off this technology <laughs> i mean I, I don't believe so but it certainly helped oh, think about it i mean how can we show a lot of hair in a film i know let's make a film about animals <laughs> this is a goddamn tech Chicken, demo ch- mike mike let's Chicken. not go down the road of movies that we can show a lot of hair with i'm, I'm not ready for that chicken or the ch- chicken or the egg right yeah. um no june chickens have feathers not hair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay june continue um, yeah, th- I think there was there was about three or four different you know pieces of software that were really showcased in this film, which harkens back to what you were saying at the beginning, Mike, uh, just about how it was visually stunning. The I would also like I'm not gonna do this because I don't have the time, but I wouldn't be I could be talked into watching this again and just picking out all the little references throughout because there were so many. They had to have a room full of people probably to like. You know, make sure everything fit. Pop culture in this. nerds. Yeah, like mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, there's so yeah, looking much. at every scene, making everything. Yeah, it's like airplane, where every every single thing happening in a scene is a joke. Well, um, I already know that I missed a tremendous amount because you guys brought up, I mean, a plethora of them that I did not see or realize, like the the zebra stripes and all that. I didn't see that at all. Um, as far as like how this movie did, so you know, of course, we're here watching it because it's you know at least considered by some people good, but. This is 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is enormously high. And again, Rotten Tomatoes essentially considers whether a reviewer recommends it or not, essentially. You know, like, not not how good it is or how bad it is, just whether it's good-ish or bad-ish, right? So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that, that tracks with Rotten Tomatoes with it being a topical uh, yeah. movie. Yeah, and so, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is it's informative, but it it doesn't tell you whether it is the best of the best or just good, right? Rotten Tomatoes will like penalize like incredible but controversial movies versus movies that are sort of, I guess, I mean, I want to say inoffensive, but we talked about some of the things in this movie. But, you know, it's it's fairly um right. As these things go, right? It's it's inoffensive, right? Um, you know, so it has a weighted average of 8.1 you know, IMDb has it at 8.1 as well. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of people consider it 
Um, good. Someone said it was the kids' version of Crash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's, that's funny. the title. Or Kids' Crash. Um, <laughs> that was uh, Nico Lang of Consequence of Sound who said, who described it that way. Um, that's funny. That's, yeah, I mean, notch. I'm looking at some of these notes, and there are some good notes, you know, good good things that I didn't think of as well, and that, you know, for a Disney female character who cares about her career and her city instead of romance, that's that's refreshing for Disney. That's true. Um, so as far as, you know, financial and how did it do financially, uh, short story incredibly well. It was made with like $150, dollars, $150 million. Dollars. <laughs> I was like, good God, this technology is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> one guy rendered it in a half an hour intern nick and freaking accounting made this movie <laughs> <laughs> it um it brought in more than one billion dollars though so you know, Lord. huge Woo. and i mean i guess just for reference um yeah so it it won an oscar um it has to be designed like or something with the graphics yeah yeah best best animated feature oh and the duh. Did it beat out Moana, though? Yeah, so this is what I'm pulling up. I want to know kind of what movies it was stacked up against. This was uh, not up against not up against a good contender from uh, Pixar, I think. Um, yeah, so it beat out Moana. Wow. It beat out Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, as well as My Life is uh, Zucchini and The Red Turtle. I don't... The only I, one I know from that is Moana. I thought Moana was a great film. So yeah. the only thing that... The only thing that was able to beat out a Disney animated feature was another Disney animated feature. <laughs> yeah. And I was looking at, uh, so the Pixar film for this year was Finding Dory. Oh, yeah, I mean, that was hamstrung from the start. Hamstrung. <laughs> the end of the golden era of Pixar was probably up. I'm just looking at a list of their movies, right? And one thing I was finding interesting is that uh, Pixar still makes good movies, but it's not like it was... Not just like a constant know, every year, another great... Yeah, from when Pixar started for about, you know, 15 years, it was just nonstop bangers, right? Yeah. If I and, remember correctly, Inside Out was their redemption. Yes. Implying that there was a slew of trash before Yeah, it. so... Um, their films in order, like, I think the golden era is like Toy Story, Bugs Life, mm-hmm. Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, Incredibles, Cars, Ratatouille, Wally, Up, right? Those are sequential releases for them. Yeah. Those are all great movies. And then it's like Toy Story 3, which I, I remember being fine, right? But then Cars 2 and yep. Monsters University, and it just feels like sequel after then sequel. Then they started and, doing the sequels, yeah. and it was... I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Brave was Brave was pretty Brave good. Brave was but. good. I yeah, liked I, Brave. It just wasn't like consistent highs like it yeah, was. Yeah, right? oh my god, I, Brave. I haven't seen Inside Out, but Inside Out was good, right? It all ended with Cars 2, which was fucking trash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think when it comes to Disney and Pixar and all of those kind of animation studios, as soon as they start making the sequel or the one that has the letter 2 in, or number 2 in it, it immediately is uh, not very good. I right? enjoyed Shrek 2. With the, exception, with the exception of Toy Story. Toy Story 2 was better. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know if Toy Story Four is was worth. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I think you know the, yeah, Pixar, they they still make good movies, but it, I I just think it's interesting how Disney is making better 
they're out picturing Pixar, even though they own Pixar. I would gamble and just say they just bought the people from Pixar. <laughs> I've always felt like the the difference between Pixar and Disney is I have a like a, a bad taste in my mouth about Disney being uh, a cash grab, and I don't like Pixar does it, but I I don't I personally like don't feel like they do it as badly as Disney does it. Yeah, and Disney is also so much more than yeah. Just like, you know, a few good movies. They're like a... They're the people that ruin Star Wars. A, a corporate apparatus, <laughs> you know, that... Yeah, but anyway, I yeah, I, I just found that kind of interesting. And so... I just want to do a... There's a a theory, I guess, or um, some kind of... Oh, how do I phrase this? Thesis? There's a thought that, like, based on the location of the two studios, it will kind of drive what movies come out uh, so like i see what you got walt, conspiracy walt, well so walt D- disney animation is in uh burbank and uh pixar is in is like by san francisco so there's like a definite uh delineation of like the entertainment center of the world versus like the tech center of the world oh uh, um, i see what you're saying is there a is there a pixar world yet like a disney world version of pixar I think it's or all, Pixar it's all Disney at World? Disney World. Well, they're both owned by yeah, Disney. Owned by but Disney. So do they have like Pixar rides? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. But yeah, so like the the running theory is that like more technologically minded people want to work more at Pixar versus Disney hmm. and vice versa. I, I can that see that. Like, that sounds like somebody <laughs> likes Pixar more than Disney. Generally making smarter sense. Smarter people want to work mean, at Pixar. Smarter people are at Pixar. <laughs> Morons at Disney. Bunch of hippies at Disney. <laughs> here, here at Pixar, we know what we're doing. At Disney, you just draw pictures. <laughs> uh, we use computers at Pixar. <laughs> All right. Let, let's keep this going. Um Okay, so we talked about kind of the, the accolades, the reception, all the money of the movie, right? Um, let's get to the, the, real, the real core mm-hmm. of this, which is how we rate these movies ourselves. Cool. So this is movie number 38 for us. And yeah, it's a, a lot to compete with here. Let's, uh, let's start with you, June. Where do you put it? Oh, God. Can I not go first? Yeah, good fucking luck. Uh, I'll go first. Mike, go on. <laughs> you, you go first. All right, so this movie, um, it really came down to being compared to Ratatouille for me, whether it was better or worse than Ratatouille. And I think it was better than Ratatouille, so it's going to be number 22 on my list right underneath the sleuth. Oh, man, I'm thinking like, wow, better than Ratatouille. You've put that high up. <laughs> I remember you've got Ratatouille. <laughs> Ratatouille at 22. Ratatouille started high in everyone's defense. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, granted, we only had like four films to compare it to. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow it's still high on my list. Wow. It's it's really slipped for everyone but me. So, yeah. Which is you know, funny it, because I I wasn't the strongest on Ratatouille back then. <laughs> as an amateur <laughs> so scientist, it, I'm starting to see a flaw in my ranking system because now that we've seen 38 <laughs> movies, how I view movies is very different than when I started this journey. <laughs> but that's hey. that's the fun of it, too. Where <laughs> I, I'll give you some notes off the recording here, some ideas of how I do it. <laughs> I, Mike, I'm not ready for the nightmares after I hear how you rank movies. <laughs> but, okay, who's next? Uh, Shane, why don't you go? This one is the toughest one I've had to rank yet, and it's... I literally chose Blade Runner to be my top one to beat Big Fish and her, 
And that was tough, but not as tough as this because I'm running into the same problem I ran into with the Avengers where I'm like, why is this film on this list? Not to say it's a bad film. I will preface this. I think it's a fun little Disney film, but I don't think it's deserving to be on the top two 50 movies of all time like i don't jesus i don't think of it when i think of it as an all-time film but then i'm looking at some of the films on this list and now i'm looking at them going <laughs> why is that on this list this is not a, so, so it's not fair to compare so in to chart that. number one so so shane has put this at 251 i am gonna put this just above cat on a hot tin roof just under nightmare before wow. christmas at 32 wow um I, I enjoyed the first half of this film, really lost me in the back half. Um, it's a fun little animated film, but it's it's hard for me to wrap my mind around why it should be here. I, I People can make arguments against it, but it's my fucking list. So that's where I put it. <laughs> I'm in 100% agreement with you. <laughs> like it's, it's, a, it is a, it's a good film, but it's it's pretty boring. Yeah, I, that's, that's where I am. I, I think we're going to differ a lot. This is a tough film. Ironically, <laughs> the, the, the the children's film that shows up on this list is like the toughest one yet. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead of you, June. I'll do you a favor. I'll let you go last. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I, don't, I don't think I'm quite that harsh on it, but I am kind of, it, it kind of feels in the, like it falls in the middle area for me where they're movies that are well done and they're good movies, but they don't like actively sort of break that barrier into like incredible movies so ooh, it is tough to place like i think it's contending with like dances with wolves and jaws and rain man for me i think wow. it's going to be number 16 behind the king's speech and ahead of rain man for me i didn't also i didn't know about the technological aspect like maybe if i had more of an appreciation for like what think was in this just drew that all with pencil and paper well, News, news to me. <laughs> I'm still operating on well, Linux that's... here, but um. <laughs> <laughs> so Shane, like I, I think uh, it would have been higher up in my list at, for that as well. Because uh, so this is my second viewing of this film, and if I had watched it for the first time tonight, I think I would have put it higher up. Yeah, I think because hmm. because of the, the 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 comedy the first time around was really good. Um, the references were really good the first time around. Second time around. I was more watching it for the appreciation of the technology, and I kind of lost the story uh, because of all that. Yeah, I it's tough. So, June, wh- where do you put this? Okay, so unfortunately, I'm not doing this how I should be, and by that I mean I'm not looking at my list holistically. I just end up comparing it to other animated movies on the list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, my first thought of this, I was like, is it better or worse than Incredibles? But that would make it either number six or seven for me, and I don't think it's up there, you know? <laughs> right. So. Is it better than worse than Ratatouille? I'm going to say. Yeah, so I'm going to say. Here? Next is on Ratatouille. What about that one? So where I'm at is it's better than Ratatouille, but I don't think it's better than Incredibles. And then of the movies in between, <laughs> I liked. I liked. 
<laughs> I like Blood Diamond better, so I'm gonna put it at number 15 between Blood Diamond and I Rain Man. I love how we all made fun of Mike, and now all our lists are becoming these weird idiosyncras- idiosyncratic lists that are like, just, like I don't know. I, th- I was having a bad day that day, so <laughs> it's, only, it's um, only a matter of we time. We all have our um, own discovering like yeah. <laughs> criteria. <laughs> I, I think I'm discovering what I do, which is I put it in the top five, I put it in the bottom five, or I put it exactly in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> That's the safe route. That's like selecting C on a on a multiple choice question. Where it's sort of like on my list, everything is kind of in the right bucket, but once you like start looking in there, it's just a jumble. Well, it, it's funny <laughs> if you really look at this list, which will be curious when we get to like a hundred, like or like the real halfway mark, like one twenty five. Because, like, you can see movies that we all concur are, like, top 10-ish. Like, you, you, there's kind of, like, well, at least within the three of us, and then there's Mike. But, like, you can see <laughs> us, and, like, a lot of our stuff matches or with are within plus or minus one or two. And then there's certain like movies. three of the top ten with well, you? Well, yeah, but, like, but then there's, like, a bunch of movies that are just, like, within plus or minus 15 within the person next to it. <laughs> like, they're everywhere. So this is, is, now it's getting really interesting. You know, we all all still have together, though? The last, last picture, picture show. Yeah, show. we all agree that piece of shit. <laughs> That's how bad that movie is. <laughs> it's only on this list because we have to put it here. It wouldn't even be here for us to look at if we could help it. <laughs> I... I wonder if we will ever have a movie we all rank the same again. I'm sh- That's really what this podcast is about, is what's worse than Last Picture Show. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be another Bogdanovich movie. <laughs> we do there, have another yeah, one. there's another one. Something moon or some moon shit. Yeah. Paper yeah. moon. I, I, I do wonder if there is another movie that will all be top one for us. Oh, that we all... Maybe, all yeah. It's That's a tough spot. I mean, look at just the... All of us are kind of torn between Big Fish and Her, it looks like. I kind of met... Blade Runner. Yeah, Blade Runner, Big Fish, and Her. We all are kind of right there with... Which, that's that's good company to keep. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike still has the Maltese Falcon at five, despite hating it. <laughs> yeah, I remember that episode where he's like, I hated this movie. My dad loved it, though, so number five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was before number five was actually a thing. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it was no, probably... Three I gotta figure out how to make it. All right, it we're now. at two hours. Let's. Uh... <laughs> oh my god! Wow, how do we talk about this for two hours? Okay, all right. Final call. Uh, do you recommend watching it, June? Yes. Shane. Yeah, you should watch it. Mike. Uh, if you have kids, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, I think if you have kids, definitely. If you don't, it doesn't hurt. But it's nah. also, I don't feel like my life was materially changed for having watched this movie. So I, I. Would not be uncomfortable with saying no, but I will say yes. Agreed. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Um, next week, we're going to watch uh, Young Frankenstein, the Mel Brooks film and another black and white movie. Um, so you'll love that, June. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. And we'll uh, hope to, I guess, not hear from you soon. Hope you hear from us soon. 